When I was about 12, my great uncle John came from the Ukraine to visit us in Canada. He had a lot of stories, but this one was the one that stood out. In the late 1960s, John was traveling by train from his village to another to visit family. He had to change trains at one point and was dropped off at what amounted to a platform and a hut in the middle of nowhere. There was no one else at the station and other than a dirt road that led off into the surrounding woods, there was no one there. He waited for some time, but no train came. It was winter and getting colder and darker, and just about the time he started worrying about a place to stay and some food to eat, an old woman appeared out of the twilight. She asked if he was waiting for such and such a train, and when he said he was, she said it wouldn't be a long until the following day. She asked if he needed a bed for the night and offered him a meal and room at her house. What she said was about an hour's walk from the station. Lodging with locals was more or less the standard when traveling in this part of the USSR, and great uncle John wasn't looking forward to a hungry night on a cold platform, so he was glad to accept their offer. He took his suitcase and they set off together down the dark road into the forest. It was more than an hour away, more like two, and by the time they arrived at the woman's small two-story house, John was tired and hungry. They went inside and the woman lit some oil lamps and warmed some borscht for them. It was the first time John was able to see the woman clearly and he was a bit startled to realize that the old woman was actually a man. Not wanting to pry and too tired to care, John finished his soup and asked where he would be sleeping. She led him upstairs to a tiny room with a window that contained a single bed and nothing else. He thanked her, said goodnight, and she closed the door. Then she locked it, leaving him in the dark. Somewhat creeped out by this, John called to her, but she didn't answer, and he heard nothing else. Figuring he would deal with it in the morning, and that she had probably done it by mistake, John set his suitcase down and laid on the bed, deciding to make the best of it and get some sleep. Before he could fall asleep though, he felt the urge to pee and got out of bed, hoping to find a chamber pot or something he could pee in. He got onto his hands and knees and began to feel under the bed in the darkness, thinking that's where the pot would be if there was one. Instead, he found a body. Nope, Great Uncle John said, and went right to the window to see if he could exit the room that way. It was nailed shut. He knew that if he remained in the room, he was probably a dead man. But if he broke the window, and tried to get out that way, there was a good chance that the, that the old woman would hear him and come into the room before he could get away. So he did the only thing he could do. He pulled the body from under the bed, heaved it onto the mattress, and covered it with the blanket. Then he got under the bed and waited. Sure enough, about an hour later, he heard footsteps coming slowly up the stairs and then towards the room. The lock clicked, 
and the knob turned slowly. In the gloom, John saw someone move toward the bed. Then he heard several terrifying and sickening thuds. The person had bashed a body on the bed with a large crowbar, which they then dropped onto the floor right in front of John. There was silence. Then the person went out of the room and the door was shut again. The footsteps went down the stairs and then there was silence again. John moved out from under the bed, took the crowbar, and was able to slowly pry the window open. He didn't say, but I imagine he was shitting bricks the entire time. When the window was up, he threw his suitcase out, then dove through himself, not caring what was below him, only worried about what was behind. He landed without too much injury and began to run into a field behind the house towards some lights in the far distance. It turned out to be a highway with some military and transport trucks on it and John was able to get a ride to another village where he could catch the train. He didn't bother reporting what happened to the authorities since at the time in the USSR there was a distinct chance he would have been the one who got in trouble. He just thanked God he escaped and decided that the next time he traveled to visit relatives, he would take another way. This is my first time posting in this board. I don't like to tell people about my life and the things I've experienced because I have anxiety, especially related to interacting with other people. I've only told this to a few people outside my family, and I only recently started talking about it. I wish I'd told someone sooner, as I discovered a co-worker encountered these men as well. I work downtown, standard 8-5 to five hours. Once in a while, I work overtime, but not often, and not on the day this happened. It was just a couple of minutes after 5pm when I left work. It's just a few blocks from my office building to the train station. There are a few bars and back alleys along the walk, but the worst I've ever dealt with along there are homeless folks who get a little aggressive asking for cash. The train ride from the station downtown to the station where I park my car is about 40 minutes. If I'm lucky, I manage to get a seat and don't have to stand for the whole ride. On that day, I was lucky. More or less, I got a seat next to the window, which left the seat next to me open. At the next stop, three men got on. One of them sat next to me, and the others sat on the seats across from me, so they were facing me. I was listening to music on my iPod, so I couldn't really hear them. I did notice, however, that the guy sitting next to me was trying to move closer to me on the seat. He would move close enough that his leg was touching mine, so I'd scoot away and he'd move closer again. Eventually, I was pressed right against the window and had no doubt that he had more than a few inches of free space on his other side. I was wearing sunglasses and was able to glance at them. I'd notice that they would occasionally say something and then all look at me. It was incredibly creepy and uncomfortable. I was nervous about getting off at my stop, but mine is the second to last on a train line. 
So when the train pulled into my station, I got off. The guy sitting next to me tried to grab my arm, but I was moving quickly and was able to get out. I was hoping they wouldn't get off the train there. It was a busy station and they couldn't know where I was parked. They did. I guess it was their luck that they targeted me. I park in the furthest lot from the station because the parking there is free. It's about a seven minute walk, which isn't usually too bad, but my lot tends to be pretty quiet and I was really worried about those guys following me. As a bit of background, I was fat. I work an office job and I was sitting all day. Adding to that, my strong sweet tooth and you've got the recipe for a bad body. I was about 30 pounds overweight and probably couldn't run more than 30 seconds. Sad considering I ran track and played hockey in high school. I still play hockey, but on a woman's daytime league and it's really not competitive. I was crossing the bridge over the road from the station to the parking lots when I noticed the three guys less than 10 feet behind me. I wasn't carrying a knife nor any pepper spray. I know a little bit about personal protection though, so I put my car key and my house key between my fingers so if I needed to hit someone, it would hurt them at least a little. The guys followed me across the main lot. They didn't hide the fact that they were there, and the more nervous I was, the louder they laughed. I managed to get across the road between the lots before they got to the road. They had to wait for a couple of cars to pass before they could cross. I was almost halfway across the lot when they crossed the road. I started to run. I could hear their feet pounding pavement behind me. I used my clicker to unlock my car when I got close. I wrenched the door open, so glad no one was parked next to me. I had barely closed my door and slammed the lock when the guys reached my car. They were banging on my windows and yelling. I've never been so afraid in my life. I was worried they'd break the windows and get in. There was a guy at the back banging on the back of my hatchback, so I couldn't reverse out of my spot without running him over. I should've, but I was afraid and not thinking. I was screaming, but no one was around to hear me. I didn't know what they wanted, but I knew it wasn't anything good. I wish I had the screamer my mom had given me for protection, but it needed a new battery, so I didn't bring it with me. That thought, the one about the screamer, made me realize I had something even better. When you're being assaulted, you're not supposed to scream for help. No one wants to help. You scream, fire because everyone wants to watch the blaze. So I turned on my car alarm. It was incredibly loud in my car. So loud, I thought I would go deaf. But it had the reaction I wanted. The guys started backing off. I saw people walking into the lot, looking in the direction of my car. People could see what was going on. The guys took off back towards the train station. I drove home, crying. The next night, I started working out. I've worked out almost every day since. If those cars hadn't been in the road at that time, 
If I'd run just a little slower, if I'd been too slow clicking the lock, it all could have ended so much differently. I've lost 20 pounds since then, and I've gained a great deal of muscle. I quit my job. I've had anxiety issues for years, and this encounter made it so much worse. I never want to feel that powerless again. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. So when I was just off the college out of high school, I moved in with a good friend, Karen, and her friend, Tara. We moved to New York City, but as rent is wildly expensive there, we wound up getting an apartment in the shadiest part of Harlem. It was a decent apartment, and a doorman clinched a deal for us. Normally, the shady neighborhood was alright, no big deal. We just ignored the catcalls during the day, and didn't really leave the apartment at night. However, Tara and I really hit it off from the beginning, and she knew a bunch of fun places to go drinking, where they wouldn't card me in downtown Manhattan. I hadn't been doing that well emotionally lately, and she decided that I could use a fun night out. So we said, screw it, we're going out. We got all dolled up for a night on the town, and wore those stupid hills that we would both later regret. So Tara and I took two subway trains to this nice karaoke bar where really good people get up to perform, and we just watched and enjoyed the drunk people on their night off. Tara had a few drinks, but I had a few more, and I was having a tough time walking in a straight line back to the subway at the end of the night. But we were laughing and really glad that we had gone out. Then, we got on the first train home. We were sitting, waiting to reach our stop to transfer, when we both noticed this young guy with his hood up on the other end of the car, a few people down. Now, that's not super unusual for Manhattan, so we just tried to ignore him, but it was a bit awkward as he was staring at us unrelentingly. Again, not super unusual. We were dressed up, and some people just stare in the city. No big deal. Ignore them, and they go away. So we finally got to our stop, and of course, the guy in the hoodie followed us off the train and to the stop for the next one we were catching. Again, we put it down to a coincidence. In a city of 8 million people, odds are... Someone can be going in the same direction you are. Nevertheless, we did keep an eye on him. 
We didn't want to jump the gun with accusations, but it was starting to feel really off, just how much he was staring at us. We tried to just mind our own business, particularly as Tara had to keep me from tipping over every so often, which broke the tension and made us laugh for a second. On the next train, we were the only passengers, save for one other person, as well as the guy in the hoodie again. We stayed absorbed in each other, giggling over some pictures in Tara's phone, hoping that if we didn't pay attention to him, he would just get his fill of staring and decide he wasn't interested anymore, especially if we laughed and made it look like we weren't really afraid of him. At one point though, I glanced back at him and saw what looked like a piece of metal poking out of the sleeve of that overlarge sweatshirt. He saw me looking and we looked at each other in the face for maybe a fraction of a second, but the focus of his stare made it feel so long. His gaze was totally calm, just unrelenting. I looked back at Tara and widened my eyes, flicking them towards him in a sort of crap, 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 Tara, look at this guy, communication. She did, and I was watching her face the whole time. I saw all of the color go out of it as she too spotted what looked like a knife up his sleeve. Tar told me later that they too locked eyes and that she'd felt everything inside her freeze. I didn't know what to do as calling the police wasn't going to work just then in front of this guy in an almost isolated spot. And we were almost at our stop. When we got off, our apartment was about four blocks from the subway. So the way I figured it, we had a better chance of getting home than of the police getting to the subway to help us by the time we pulled into our station. As soon as the car stopped, we got out, and my slightly drunk ass immediately reached down and took off my shoes while still walking towards the stairs to the street. Tar didn't bother but it was already halfway up the stairs. I turned around to see where the hoodie guy had gone, and there he was, walking confidently towards me, eyes deadpan, but never moving away from me. I felt like I was going to vomit from fear. My stomach was twisting so much, it suddenly felt like I hadn't had a drop to drink. I ran up the stairs behind Tara, and we both just let loose down the street. My mother had given me pepper spray in a little bottle that looked like lipstick as a housewarming present, so I tried to unzip my purse and get my hand inside while we were running, but it was next to impossible and it was slowing me down, so I gave up and hoped that I could get it out if he caught us. I looked back again, and of course he's running too. Now, his knife was totally out of his hoodie as he pumped his hands. It looked like one of those big switchblades, totally illegal. I kept glancing back, even though I was running almost full out at this point, trying to keep Tara next to me with their heels still on. Maybe it was just because I was so damn scared at the time, but it seemed like running was nothing to him. He was still so calm and zeroed in on us. He stared straight into my eyes whenever I looked 
and had this little half smile on his face totally calm not grinning or angry or any kind of emotion i could recognize just a sort of casual i'm going to catch you you know face we ran past a usual group of homeless guys about halfway to our building who made some kind of comment i couldn't hear i assumed they were making fun of us when they saw us running towards them me with no shoes on in a really gross part of the city but i have to wonder whether they helped us by waylaying the guy after because we managed to get to our building and had the doorman bus us in with some seconds to spare we ran panting and half crying to the doorman's desk staring at the doors the whole time and had just enough time to start explaining in hysterics that we were being followed when there was a huge rattle at the front door and the guy was there shaking the handles violently trying to rip them open to get to us the doorman whipped out his walkie-talkie and yelled at us to go upstairs we didn't need telling twice we got in the elevator and held each other shocked and crying hearing yelling from outside the elevator fading as we went up to the third floor where our apartment was at when we got upstairs we went straight to our balcony which was on the left side of the building we heard yelling just one voice high for a man clear and fiercely shouting fuck 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 over and over and over after maybe a minute it stopped and we couldn't hear anything else the police showed up shortly afterwards for statements but as far as i know they never found the guy i moved out of the city shortly afterwards for a variety of reasons my dad still feels bad that he thought harlem was a nice cheap option but it's all right everything turned out okay and i'm not there anymore still i've always kind of wondered why he followed us all the way from downtown and why didn't he attack earlier how he got away exactly why he wanted to probably stab us in the first place and a variety of other things the detached expression on his face paired with those intense eyes on mine has stuck with me ever since BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. 
new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance please play responsibly for help visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor promotional not available in Washington DC say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the Durban credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.